Well, if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 10. Before we get into the text, I'm going to pray while you turn. Father God, we love you. We thank you for your word that is holy. We ask that you we ask that you do for us what your word says that it is, that you make it a, a sword that is sharp. Let it pierce us, Lord, pierce us to our hearts to divide asunder, soul from spirit, and right from wrong, and good from bad, and, and evil from righteous. Lord, let it let it be a light to us. Use it as cleansing water to wash us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him, Jesus, to the test. And he said, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, the man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him, and they departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed on to the other side. So likewise a Levi. When he came to the place, saw him, he passed by on the other side. But there was a Samaritan. As he journeyed, he came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more that you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Now, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, well, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said, you go and do likewise. So, that is the text for this morning. I want to tell you that when I wrote this sermon, I have wrote it in tears. Today is Pentecost Sunday. By God's grace, I will get through this sermon without being uh, crying. This is the birthday of the church. 120 men and women were gathered in an upper room, and they were praying, and they were worshiping, and they were waiting. Waiting on a promise. The Bible says that they were in one mind and in one accord, and on that day, the 50th day from the the day of the resurrection, on that day, God sent his Holy Spirit, our comforter, to give life to his church. Amen. Amen. The church was born. 
Peter went out on the balcony and he preached a fiery message. 3,000 plus men and women who didn't even speak the same language as Peter heard it in their own language and they were saved. They came to faith and believed in Jesus Christ and they were saved. And ever since that day, millions upon millions of people from every nation, every tongue, and every tribe have been moved and transformed by the gospel message of Jesus Christ that is put on display by the church, the bride, and the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. We are the bearers of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We put on Christ, we put Him on glorious display in acts of love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and meekness and temperance and great faith. And I am very grateful to God for His mercy and His goodness in giving us the great gift of His church. Yeah. Yeah. So that we can serve Him together, united as one body, as one, one bride. But I will tell you, my heart is very heavy today. I am deeply grieved. I am very angry. I am divided in myself on so many levels, and to top it all off, I am ashamed. See, we have all been cooped up in our homes during this global pandemic. Life has come to a screeching halt as we know it. Businesses are closing left and right. People by the tens of millions are finding themselves suddenly unemployed and unable to make ends meet. Amen. Over 100,000 lives have been lost to this pandemic in our country alone. And the number goes up every day. 100,000 families who have lost their loved ones. And they were unable to be by their side. 100,000 families who have been unable to grieve together and obtain closure. Even in my own family, we lost one of our brightest just a few weeks ago, my cousin Dusty. That's Roger and Sandy's son. We didn't lose him to COVID-19, we lost him to cancer, but COVID-19 kept us from being able to gather together to breathe, to grieve. I can't breathe in this mask. <laughs> Church weddings and birthday parties and graduation ceremonies and social events and celebrations of all kinds have been canceled or indefinitely postponed. Amen, amen. Even houses of worship, even houses of worship. I cannot tell you the pressure that we church leaders have been under during this time. If we open the doors and we say, come, let us worship God together, then we are being careless and reckless and insensitive to the most vulnerable in our communities. And if we keep the doors closed, then we are maligned as being faithless and driven by fear. Amen. Amen. If I personally choose to wear a mask when I go out into public, then I am a stooge. I'm a sheep. I'm cowering to an oppressive, overreaching governmental conspiracy that is designed to strip me of my liberties. And if I choose not to wear a mask, then I'm a reckless, society-hating anarchist who doesn't care about others. All of you know that 
few weeks ago I had a very unexpected stroke. I don't know of a stroke that is expected, so that's the problem. <laughs> I had a stroke, and I didn't expect it. This puts me squarely in the middle of the at-risk category for people who uh, would face very severe complications and even death if they contract this virus. Naturally, that realization, that reality, has made me somewhat sensitive to the risks. Even the risks beyond COVID-19, you know, just, just little things. Ever since Amen. the stroke, every time I feel a little tingle on one side of my body, I feel a little bit off. Every time I feel just a little different in one way or another, my thoughts immediately go, is this another one? God has been so very good to me through all of this. I do not suffer any lasting effects of my stroke. When I was in the neurological ICU in Plano, I could hear what was going on around me. I talked to the nurses and doctors, and they tell me that there are people in that unit who are much worse off than I was. There are people who are unable to breathe because their bodies have forgotten how. People who are unable to talk because their brain could not communicate with their mouths in order to form words. People who suffered from the same thing that hit me, but their suffering was much more pronounced, and mine was fairly well gone in just a matter of hours. And when you, you lay there and you you consider all that and consider what's going on around you, and, and you think there but for the grace of God. Go I, I wonder, and it hits me, there is absolutely nothing special about me. There's nothing about me that makes me more deserving of God's goodness than anybody else. Amen. Amen. Who am I, Lord? Who am I? And what is this dog that you would be mindful of me? All of my hope is in Christ. Amen. Amen. By His grace alone, through faith in Him alone, I am saved, yes. bought. I am purchased from death into eternal life. Amen. I place all my hope in Him. I place my trust in the steadfast love and the never-ending mercy and the undeniable, unshakable goodness of God Almighty. Amen. My Amen. Father in Heaven, I do. Amen. Amen. So did the 26 souls who died when a gunman entered the Baptist church at Sutherland Springs in 2017. Amen. Or the servant of God who was shot while serving communion in a church of Christ just outside of Fort Worth Amen. just this past December. Amen. Can you imagine serving communion? There was a young man in poverty, 16 years old, who died from a car accident. His father was a pastor. Don't you know that dad prayed for his son every single day? Amen. I pray for my kids every day. I pray for their safety. I pray for their souls. And then there's the hundreds, maybe even thousands of people who have died because they contracted COVID-19 while at church. Amen. In the very act of worshiping God, 
in all of the cases, in all of those cases, God said, for my glory and for your good, today is your day. The father of the young man who, who died in the car accident, God said, for my glory and for your good, I'll take your son today. Jeff, for my glory and for your good, yes, you have a stroke today. Oh, I don't get it. How can that be? For God's glory. In Psalm 138, verse 2, the psalmist says, You have exalted above all things your name and your word. God's name and his word. Lifted up by God above everything else. Mm -hmm. Amen. Everything else is secondary to the name and the word of God. And that was set in order by God himself. Amen. Amen. And that, church, that's just one passage in the scripture about God's zeal for his own glory. I could spend hours taking you through a trip in the scriptures to show you the dozens and dozens of passages where the Lord says and does and allows things for the sake of his own name and his own glory. Amen. Amen. God works for his own glory. And he works for our good. Amen. Amen. Romans 8.28 tells us that God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. For God's glory mm -hmm. and our good. Mm -hmm. And I won't pretend that those are not difficult truths to wrestle with. Especially when we see things happen that don't make sense to us. When we see things happen like people catching a disease while worshiping. That doesn't make any sense, Lord. Amen. I don't get it. Amen. As Christians, as people of God, though, we must come to terms with this truth. We are completely at His mercy. Yes, the Bible Amen. says the universe is upheld by his right hand. Amen. We are completely at his mercy. And we must trust the character of God. Mm -hmm. We must trust that whatever comes, it is for his glory and for our good. Amen. Does the clay say to the potter, this is what you will make of me? Does the clay command the potter? No. God fashions and shapes and moves as he wills and for his purpose. And his purpose, church, is always good. Amen. Amen. God is good all the time. Yes, sir. And all the time, uh, God yes. is good. Even when we suffer. Amen. Amen. You may not see that now, but you must trust it. Mm -hmm. Amen. Yep. You must trust in his goodness toward you. Mm -hmm. That's the very definition of faith. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Is God good when I hurt? So we must trust that all that we have been through and all that we are going through and all that we will endure in the days to come have come to us so that God may be glorified and so that he may demonstrate his goodness toward us and ultimately, when it's all said and done, we will be better for it. Amen. We will know him better for it. We will reflect him to the world 
better for it. We will love him better for it. And in doing so, the world around us will be changed for the better because of it. Amen. It is important that we know and that we approach life from that perspective, God's glory and our good. Mm -hmm. If we don't, then we can become bitter. Oh, how many people have fallen into bitterness. Amen. We can miss opportunities to become better. We will not seize the chance to make positive changes in our own lives and in the lives of those around us. So on top of all that's been going on in the last couple of months with the pandemic and the disagreements about how to handle it and the disruptions that that has brought, it seems to me that the events of this past week could not have happened at a worse time. Unless you've had your head buried in the sand, then you are very surely aware of the tragic, unnecessary, unjust, unrighteous death of George Floyd. And I'm sure that you're also aware of the equally tragic, unnecessary, unjust, unrighteous outbreaks of violence and rioting that are happening in cities across our country. Amen. Amen. To be honest, this is why my heart is heavy today. How will we make sense of this? How can God be glorified? How can this be good? People in this country are already dealing with untold amounts of stress, amounts of pent-up frustration and aggression. They're dealing with the losses and uncertainties that have come with, with joblessness and restrictions. They're already fearful for their future, and they're already suspicious of their government because of all the conflicting information and all the divisiveness. We've already been shaken, Lord. And just when we began the slow and very nervous but necessary process of trying to, to reopen the country and trying to reestablish businesses and, and commerce and livelihoods at a time when opinions and approaches to how to do that best are as divided as they've ever been, and all of a sudden, seemingly out of nowhere and like gasoline to a brush fire, this horrible injustice comes along and it shakes us up all over again. My heart is broken. My heart is broken for the Floyd family and for all the people who are connected with him. My heart is broken for the black community who have watched in horror as yet again in a long string of similar atrocities, yet another of their own was subjected to dehumanizing, wicked, evil, sinful acts of violence and oppression that was carried out by the very ones who are supposed to protect and serve. Amen. Amen. If we were to take these circumstances into the home, hear me. If we were to take this set of circumstances into the home, and we were to see this kind of traumatic treatment of a child by a parent who was supposed to be the protector and the provider, a parent who was supposed to be safety and stability, we would expect that child to act out in all manner of different ways. We would expect that child to be broken. We would even expect that child to develop multiple personalities. It happens every day. We would expect destructive behavior. And hopefully, by God's grace, we would see that as a cry for help. And in holy compassion, we'd be moved to help and act on that child's behalf. 
But just as the actions of some evil and wicked parents do not condemn all parents, do not destroy our trust in all parents, neither should the actions of a few evil and wicked officers destroy our trust in all police officers. Amen. 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 So my heart is broken also for the thousands upon thousands of good, honest, kind, brave, shameless men and women of our nation's police, shameless, selfless men and women of our nation's police forces. They must continually bear this shame again and again because of the few who have disgraced their uniform and dishonored their code and desecrated the public trust. Amen. Amen. Today, church, I am angry. I am angry that it is so easy to twist things out of control, out of context. I'm angry that I cannot trust any news source to give me the whole story. I'm angry that 15-second sound bites and 30-second video clips shape the national narrative. Amen. Amen. I'm angry that people are so mentally and emotionally lazy and immature that they won't do their own research. They won't inform themselves before opening their mouths about situations that they don't know anything about. Mm. Amen. I'm angry that people have forgotten how to communicate face-to-face -face and in loving ways. I'm angry that everyone thinks he is an expert about every subject and that everyone else is entitled to his opinion. I'm angry that Twitter and Facebook and Instagram can be so helpful at times, but so destructive and harmful at others. Amen. I'm angry that people won't take responsibility for their own actions. And I'm angry that violence and rioting and looting are being treated as an appropriate response to this situation. I'm angry that cities are burning. I'm angry that, that there, there, there are people who are speaking out against this burning and this disgusting behavior are being labeled as racist or as someone who just doesn't quite get it. Amen. I'm angry that people are so preoccupied with being right that they won't take the time to understand someone else's perspective. Mm -hmm. I'm angry that the discussion has been shifted from what was the real tragedy down to these riots. And this will only serve to make the divisions even worse. Yeah. In this morning, church, I am conflicted. I am conflicted because I respect and celebrate our law enforcement officers. They are essential to our way of life. Amen. They are foundational to the orderly functioning of our society. Without our citizen officers, we would have either chaos or tyranny. Yes, sir. Yes, they put their lives on the line every day and for very little pay. But at the same time, something's got to give. The people who perpetrated this must be brought to justice, and reasonable steps, reasonable measured steps, must be taken to ensure this kind of thing stops happening. Amen. 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 Too many stories. Mm -hmm. Too many times, and once was enough. I am conflicted because I believe that the rioting and the looting and the violence in response to this by some people is just as wicked. And all those involved need to be held accountable. 
Violent protesters and rioters and looters, they are acting out senselessly without regard for how their own actions can affect and harm others. They are destroying lives and livelihoods. They are turning an otherwise sympathetic public against them and they are drowning out the real issue by the destruction that they are causing. Amen. I find zero excuse for that kind of behavior. It is wrong, it is disgusting and inexcusable, period. Amen. Yes. Amen. Amen. But I am conflicted because I know that some of this uprising, not all of it, but some of it is coming from a place of desperation. Yes, it's coming out of years of growing tensions and escalating unrest. There's a perceived systematic racism that is felt in a very real way by very many people in our country today. Amen. The sad thing is that given our nation's difficult history with race, this kind of brutality that we witnessed last week has been around for generations. But the digital age and the fact that everyone has a video camera in their pockets these days and is able to stream live video at an instant to the entire world has highlighted in real time when these tragedies happen. It's been brought very much to the front of the national dialogue. I'm conflicted because I know that violence is not the answer. It is wrong. But really, and honestly, you know, I've never lived under that kind of pressure either. I know how I hope I live. I know how I think I live, but I've never been in those shoes. So I can't say absolutely for sure how I would react. How how long would I be able to take it? How much would I be able to endure if I had to live in my neighbor's different colored skin? Mm -hmm. Don't take me out. Amen. 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 Please do not take me out. I'm conflicted because I wholeheartedly condemn this, this violence, but I'm, on the other hand, I get where they're coming from. It's like the cries, the desperate cries of that child who was abused. I get it. I'm conflicted because I don't know if I'm getting all the facts from the news or if I'm being manipulated by the gender-driven news outlet. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what to think. And that conflicts me, and it makes me angry. And I am ashamed. I'm ashamed because I do know one thing. You know, one thing is very clear. Racism in all of its forms is evil. And this is a gospel issue. Amen. It is wrong for the church to ignore it. Amen. 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 I want to read to you a clipping from a letter that Martin Luther King wrote while he was in jail in Birmingham. Some have called it a modern-day epistle. If you've read it, you would know why. It's very powerful. He says... I must honestly reiterate that I have been disappointed with the church. I do not say this is one of those negative critics who can always find something wrong with the church. I say this as a minister of the gospel who loves the church, who was nurtured in its bosom, and has been sustained by its spiritual blessing, and who will remain true to it as long as the court of life shall live. When I was suddenly catapulted into the leadership of the bus protest in Montgomery, Alabama a few years ago, this was written in 1960. I felt that I would be supported by the white church. I felt that white ministers 
priests and rabbis of the South will be among our strongest allies. Instead, I have been, they have been outright opponents. They have refused to understand the freedom movement and misrepresenting our leaders. All too many others have become more cautious than courageous. This is where I think oh, I don't want to be there. They have remained silent behind the anesthetizing security of stained glass windows. In spite of my shattered dreams, I came to Birmingham with the hope that the white religious leadership of this community would see the justice of our cause and they would, with deep and moral concern, they would serve as our channel through which we could agree, address our just grievances, we could reach each other. I had hoped that each of you would understand, but I began to be disappointed. I've heard numerous Southern religious leaders admonish their worshipers to comply with a desegregation decision because it is the law. Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Do it because the law commands you to do it. But what I have longed to hear my white ministers declare is follow this decree because the integration is morally right and because the Negro is your brother. Amen. In the midst of blatant injustices inflicted upon the Negro, I have watched white churchmen stand on the sideline and mouth pious irrelevancies and sanctimonious trivialities. In the midst of a mighty struggle to rid our nation of racial and economic injustice, I have heard ministers say, those are social issues with which the gospel has no real concern. Mm. Continues, in deepest disappointment, I have wept over the laxity of the church. But be assured that my tears have been tears of love. For there can be no deep disappointment where there is not deep love. I love the church. Mm -hmm. How could I do otherwise? I am the, the, a unique position of being the son, the grandson, and the great-grandson of preachers. Yes, I see the church as a body of Christ, but oh, how we have blemished the sacred that body, we blemished and scarred that body through social neglect and through fear of being nonconformist. It includes the judgment of God is upon the church that has never been before. If today's church does not recapture the sacrificial spirit of the early church, it will lose its authenticity, forfeit the loyalty of millions, and be dismissed as an irrelevant social club with no meaning for the 20th century. Amen. May as well have written this today. Amen. Every day I meet young people whose disappointment with the church has turned into outright disgust. Amen. Church, racism and social injustice is a gospel issue. Yes, it's not a political issue. It is not an economic issue. It is not a cultural issue. It is a heart and soul issue. Mm -hmm. It is Amen. a great sin, and I am ashamed that we don't preach about it more often. Amen. 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 I'm ashamed that it took a global pandemic, a shutting down of our nation, a closing of our churches, and finally this last tragedy to shake even me, to wake me up to the very real struggle and the very real suffering of my neighbors who have a different color skin than I do. Amen. In Luke chapter 10, we read this morning, Jesus told a story about your neighbor, you're not loving your neighbor as yourself. We call it the story of the Good Samaritan because it was the Samaritan who was the unlikely hero. It was the Samaritan who was the one that, that would never 
that no one would ever have expected. He was the one, the only one, to actually see his Jewish neighbors suffering. And I mean, I mean really see him. He saw him so clearly that he was not only moved to acknowledge his neighbor's plight, which we're all good at doing, oh, I, I hear you, I see your problem. Yeah, that's, that's tough, man, I hate that. I can't stand that for you. But this guy was moved beyond acknowledging the plight into doing something about it. Amen. Amen. Faith without works. He's dead. Yeah. It's called the story of the Good Samaritan, the church. You could also call it the story of the evil pastor or the wicked deacon. Instead of the Good Samaritan, we might call it the, the story of the uncaring believer, even the unsaved Christian. Amen. Ezekiel 16 49 says, Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had pride, excess of food, and prosperous ease, and did not aid the poor and the needy. So the people of Sodom, they ignored the suffering of their neighbor. And this was so detestable to God that he destroyed the city. In his judgment, he destroyed the wicked, and in his mercy, he ended the suffering of the oppressed. God help us, church. God help us. Turn a blind eye to this. Amen. God help us if we look away from this. God help us if we see our neighbor lying on the ground, his nose bleeding, gasping for breath, telling people that he can't breathe, and we look away in our self righteousness and walk to the other side of the road because it's more comfortable over there. God help us if we throw ourselves in with the rioters, and, the, and, and, and we condemn every officer of the law for the actions of just a few. God help us if we ignore our neighbor's desperate cries for help just because we don't like the way that they are crying. Amen. I don't want to be blind to any of that. I don't want to be, I don't want to be blind. I want to be righteously angry. I want to be filled with godly sorrow. Mm -hmm. I want to be moved with compassion. Amen. I want to be moved to be the light and the salt in the lost world, to share the joy and the hope of Jesus Christ with those who have lost all hope Amen. and those who have never known enduring joy. Amen. I don't want to be willfully blind, and I don't want to pastor a church full of willfully blind people either. Amen. I want to see through eyes of compassion, and I want you to see through eyes of compassion, because Christ saw us through yes. eyes of compassion. Amen. This is how we know that he loves us, because while we were yet sinners, Amen. we were still yes. enemies with him. We were at war with him, and he sent his son to die. Amen. What more compassion? Who am I? And what is this dead dog that he would consider me? saying all this not because I have a political statement today, because I don't. I have a gospel plea. Amen. Yes. 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 I want all of us to consider this parable. The parable of the good Samaritan. The next time that we decide to render an opinion on the situation. The next time we decide to post something or share something or click the like button on something, am I seeing my neighbor Amen. And I mean, I mean, really seeing him. Am, am I moved with compassion for my neighbor? 
Do my actions and my words and my posts, are they pouring in the oil and the wine? Or are they, are they, are they dividing? Are they, are they healing and providing? Are they putting further distance between me and those who aren't like me? Who am I in this period? I know that I'm speaking into a very difficult situation. And I know that opinions and feelings are divided. And everybody's got one. People are passionate about how they feel. It gets close to home. There are a hundred different perspectives, and everybody has their own experience and histories that come to bear in shaping how they feel about things. I'm not saying any of this to condemn. If you are of the same heart as I am about this, then consider yourself encouraged. Amen. Amen. If you are of a different heart, if you're somewhere a different page than where I'm at, then consider the scriptures. Amen. Seek the truth for yourself and love me anyway, and by all means love your neighbor. Amen. Amen. I don't mean to put anybody down, but it is my deepest heartfelt desire that we all be raised up in the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I will conclude with this. But it is the truth of God's word. You cannot have a heart that follows after God if you do not have a heart for his people. Amen. 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 For God so yes. loved the one Amen. that he is people, that he sent his son. Yes. And whosoever should believe on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. All of that, so that he might be glorified. Amen. And so that he might demonstrate for us his great goodness towards us. We must examine our own hearts in light of God's word, and we must allow his word to wash over us like a cleansing balm. We must open our eyes to see our neighbor, and I mean really see him clearly. And that means that we must work hard at compassion, and we must never, ever. Yes. God bless you, let's pray.